0: Hello and welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday evening message. Today's sermon is Alter Ego Part 4 by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. Tonight we are wrapping up what we call a message called Alter Ego. And you'll notice that the altar is spelt A-L-T-A-R not A-L-T-E-R. Because alter ego many times is spelt with an E, but we're talking about laying down your situations at an altar. An altar in the Old Testament was significant in the fact that sacrifices were given there, or they laid down something significant in an act of worship to God. And so alter, A-L-T-E-R, ego, as you know, is what we think about ourselves. It's our belief system. It's what we think we are. And many of us think of ourselves highly and have an inflated ego, but many of us think too lowly of ourselves and we have a poor and inaccurate view. So tonight we're going to talk about altar. A-L-T-A-R. I want to lay it down. And what we're going to lay down tonight is my longing for approval. We're going to talk about a longing for approval. We're going to lay it down tonight. What we're going to lay down is my longing for approval. So I want you to reach over and take somebody by the hand or by the wrist or whatever you do. Amen. And say, Pastor, preach to us tonight. Let the word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to us tonight. Let the word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to us tonight, let me leave here a different person than what I was when I came in. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. The Lord's good. Thank you, Ann. So, our goal tonight is to take our egos and what we think about ourselves and sacrifice who we think we are at an altar so we can become what God says we are. And if you missed the last three weeks, let me tell you what we covered. Week number one, we laid down our feelings of inadequacy. You remember that? We are all adequate because God says we are. Week number two, we laid down our need for control. There's some people that feel like if they're not in control, that they're lost. They have a need for control, and we laid that down. Week number three, last week, we talked about our right of being offended. How many understand that you have to forgive like God forgave? You have to do that, or you'll be offended a lot. Tonight... We're going to lay down our longing for approval because we all love to be loved. Is that okay with you guys? Do you like my idea? Do you approve of it? Do you feel good about it? Do you like me? Do you really like me? Do you like me? Do you really like me? We're going to lay that down tonight. (laughs) All right. The reality is, and this is total honesty, For as much of my life as I can remember, I have longed for the approval of other people. Many of you can say the same thing. As a child playing sports, my earliest memories was going to bat. My dad used to work long, long hours and going to bat in Little League in sundown, Texas and hoping that my dad was there and hoping that I would get on base, hoping I would hit the ball and make a score. Because I wanted my dad to be proud of me. He loved me any way I was. But in my warped view, if I did good or if I was good, he'd approve of me even more. And I think most of us have a desire to be liked. Can I get a witness from you right now? My earliest memory as a young minister at the age of 22 or 23, I was just a young evangelist. And I many times would literally, and I hate to say this, this sounds so gross, but I would throw up before service. I would literally throw up. I quit throwing up when I was about 25 years old because I would get so nervous. My nerves would be so bad. And the reason that my nerves got so bad is not because I didn't trust God. I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be a wanted person because I did not have a good upbringing as far as a blue-blooded upbringing. And I did not have a minister to back me. I was just out there running barefoot. And I would preach with all that was in me because I wanted people to say that young man is really trying his best to be a preacher. I really tried for that. That man really loves Jesus. He's an up and coming young minister. We like that young guy. And I had insecurities. I really did. Now after all these years, I really don't struggle anymore with that really like I used to except for some Wednesdays. And some Sundays when I preach or teach and I'm duly hard on myself, I'm very difficult on myself. And I always think of ways after I leave here, I always think of what I could have said and what I did say that I shouldn't have said. And I think that's just part of the process. And then I go home and the kids come over on Sunday night and they'll be having their regular life and I'm, I'm reliving church on Sunday. And I'm wondering, hey, I'm just wondering this. I don't say it, hey, what. Wonder what the kids thought about church today. Wonder what they thought. And someone will say, Wow, I love the new worship song that Randy sung today. I love the way the choir sounded. I love the way the worship, wasn't it great? And I want to say, but I don't. Anything else decent today in church? (laughs) And invariably one of the daughters or sons-in-laws, because they love their dad. It doesn't matter if I preach good or preach bad. They love their dad. And they said, Dad, you preach good today. And I want to ask, but I don't. I wonder if any lives were changed today. And all I do that for is because I still want to make a difference. I do not think that I am seeking approval that much because I have preached so much. I used to have a man that used to give me red hot candy when I really preached a red hot sermon. I used to have another man that gave me a dollar every time I preached good. They have quit that at least 15 years ago. So I don't, I, don't, I don't preach good anymore. I just talk good now. I just kind of try to communicate with you. But I'm here to tell you, all of us live those kind of lives in our lives. That's just, it's just a part of what we are. It's part of our DNA. Now, I, I'm going to give you five specific signs. And you might want to write these down of, that you might, you might show that you're living for the approval of others. The first one is this if you're taking notes. You've got to write this down. You occasionally or you often worry about what other people think. Anybody in the crowd like that? For example, if you've ever had to give a public speech or you had to give a report, you're really nervous. You know why you're nervous? Because you're worried about what other people will think when you get through. That's a fact. If you ever post something on social media, then you go back 12 seconds later and find out, did anybody like what I posted? (laughs) Did anybody comment? Oh, thank God. A retweet. I got a retweet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. My selfie, another angle. Selfie, does anybody comment on my selfie? Anybody think I look good? We're consumed with what other people think. I know none of you are ever like that. I'm just preaching to the church across town. You just sit here. (laughs) Occasionally, when we're getting ready for an important event in our lives, all of you, you go into your closet, you walk through the entire closet, you walk back through the entire closet, and you're like Samuel trying to find the king. There's nothing there. And you say, I have nothing to wear. And you can't even get your hands between your clothes because your closet is so packed with clothes. But I have nothing to wear. And you walk and you say... And so, and so you put on two or three outfits and you look at your husband and you say, does this look good? And the husband said, do you like me in black? And the wife said, does this make me slim? Check behind. Does it look all right back here? Because you know... You know that somebody's gonna look at you and you're gonna say, hmm, makes her look a little big. (laughs) That doesn't have a slimming effect she thought it had. You know what I'm saying? We've got this thing at our house called which shoe, which shoe, which shoe. Patty will invariably, I love Patty, she's sitting over here and I may have to sleep on the couch tonight, but. We have the witch shoe game at our house. Patty will put on a shoe on this left foot and a shoe on this right foot. She knows I'm telling the truth. I won't look at her, but she knows I'm telling the truth. And we'll put these, she'll put these shoes on. she said, say, which one of these you like the best with this? And she'll hold up this shoe, and, and she'll hold up this shoe. And I say, well, I, I like that one. She said, hold it just a minute. I'm going to do this again. <laughs> it doesn't take a genius or a rocket scientist to know. I chose the wrong one. <laughs> I did not choose the right one, and so I say, "Well, you know, I really did like this other one. I just going to see what you thought." <laughs> Someone, come on, come on, man! You know how to get out of trouble. Sometimes it's something real small, something insignificant in life, like somebody walk up to you and say, "Are you feeling all right today? Are you, are you okay?" Guy walked up to me. A, about three Sundays ago, and he said, Man, I was worried about you in church today because when I saw you at the door, you're as white as a ghost. I thought you was fixing to pass out and we were going to have a funeral. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate that compliment. Hallelujah. I don't want to look natural right now. I want to look real right now. I don't want to look natural right now. But people will walk up and you say, Well, what? Why is he asking that for? What are they asking that for? Sure, I feel all right. Well, I feel fine. I feel fine. In fact, I have told my staff that I will tell them if I'm in a worse mood than I need to be. Because when I get up in the morning, I'm happy. And when I go to bed at night, I'm happy. And so if you come up and say, Pastor, is everything all right? Yeah, it's fine. But you just mess me up by asking me that. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you would say you sometimes care too much about what other people think? Raise your hand. All right? Okay, now those that hands were not raised, <laughs> you care too much about what other people think and you didn't even want to raise your hand about it because it's too much. <laughs> Second thing is, not only we worry about what people think, sometimes we're overly sensitive. Write it down. You're overly sensitive. We're often overly sensitive. I can be that way. hundred people can say, Pastor, I liked your message. Pastor, I loved your book when I read it. And another person says something negative about the same thing, and I just zoom in on that one thing, and I say, well, my God, I must be a failure. That's just the way it is. I'm not any good. I didn't make a difference at all today. When I first came to pastor this church, we we passed out like 50,000 door hangers that said, we are praying for your home. And we did it for over eight Saturdays, and we, 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 we trod our feet down. I mean, we had bunions, and we had corns, and we had all kinds of blisters on our feet. You're talking about walking. We did some walking to put, and I remember, we probably got seven or eight back on the porch of this church, the old A-frame building. Store. We got a bunch back, seven or eight, and those seven or eight bothered me more than the 50,000 that we passed out. I thought, how could people not want their house to be prayed for? Can I tell you, there's folks in this area who don't want their house prayed for. It bothers me as a pastor, but that's what happens. Sometimes we're too sensitive. And so one person called me one time and said, do not ever bring another door hanger to my house. Do you understand that? I said, yes, sir. I said, what are you going to do about those pizza hut ads that come to your house and put them on their door, put them on your door? I said, oh, we like pizza. We just don't like church. And I let that bother me. Or maybe, maybe some of you ladies get a new outfit and wow, you look good. Mm. And you know why you look good? Because the person that sold it to you said you look good. And you can't wait to wear it out in public. So you go out and you just, just wait for a compliment all day long. Just check it out. Check it out. Look at me. And at the end of the day, No one said anything. And it's not that they said, that's an ugly outfit, that's an ugly pair of pants, that's an ugly skirt, that's an ugly dress. They didn't say that. But we're saying because they didn't say anything, what's wrong with those people? What's wrong with them? You're overly sensitive. Or you call a friend or text a friend or you give a friend a DM and a friend that didn't call back or they didn't text you back and they didn't do it for quite a while. And you said, oh, my Lord, did I do something wrong? I don't have any BFFs anymore. What's wrong with me? And you get overly sensitive. And then you start to find yourself being overly sensitive. And if that's you, don't be so sensitive. Just check a little space on your note and say, I'm going to work on that, all right? Because it happens to all of us. Third indicator, perhaps you're living for approval of others, is that you compromise your values. Everybody say, compromise my values. That's something you deeply believe in, but you compromise it because you want the approval of other people. If you're a young girl here tonight and you love God and you want to honor God with your purity and save yourself for your husband and give him the greatest gift one day of your purity. But you've been dating a guy and he says, it's going to get a little redundant. I love you, baby. (laughs) I love you, baby. Mm, You know I love you, baby. Mm, Listen to that music. I love you, baby. Listen to that Barry White singing. I love you, baby. I love you, baby. And I'd love you even more if you would. mm Mm-hmm. And I'd love you even more if you'd, mm hmm. So you, mm hmm. And you compromise your values for the approval of someone else. Or you're a, you're a guy and you hang out with other guys and their language all of a sudden gets nasty and dirty. And, and you don't want to be a Jesus freak. And so you start saying just a few words, you know, like, Mwah. what's a good word I could say that's not going to put me in hell? Let me think just a minute. <laughs> and you start telling just a little bit of a dirty joke and then a little bit more dirty joke and all of a sudden you're all wrapped up in the language and you're all wrapped up in the cursing and because you don't want to be viewed as this religious guy, this square pig. Or you really believe in debt-free life and you want to manage wisely what God has given you but you end up buying things you don't really need with money you don't even have to impress people you don't even know. because you compromise, your values because you want people to like you based on what you have and what you look like. And if that's true, just check the space. Don't raise your hand. Yes, Pastor, I, I occasionally compromise my values. Wow, this is tough. Another indicator you're longing for approval of others is that you hesitate sharing your faith. You know Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Anybody know that in this church on Wednesday night? Come on, clap your hands. You know he came to this earth. You know he came to die for you. You know he came as a ransom. You know he came to seek and to save that was lost. law. Anybody happy you got a relationship with him? Here's my question. If you're real happy about knowing you have a relationship with him, why wouldn't you want anybody that you love in the world to have the same relationship with Jesus Christ that you have with Jesus Christ? Come on. Everybody needs what we have. Everybody needs what we got a hold of. But many times, we don't want to be this freak old religious person. And so many times we hold our testimony back and we will not talk. We won't share our faith because in essence, if you're honest, you care more about what other people think about you than what you really do care about them and their relationship with Christ. Come on, people. I'm going to tell you something. You're either a leader or a follower. And I love people that follow the word of God in this house. And we're hearing the word of God right now. But when you get out there, you have got what everybody in the world needs in their life. You're not a follower out there. You're a leader in the community. You're a leader in your neighborhood. You're a leader on your job because you have the Christ factor. Come on. Somebody get excited with me. There is a Christ factor that is greater than anything that the world has to offer. Hmm. Mm. And finally... The fifth thing, we worry about what people think. We're overly sensitive. We compromise our values. We hesitate sharing our faith. And the fifth thing, you have a hard time saying no. That's when you know you're longing for approval. I played a basketball game one time. I was, I had a championship team in college. And uh, we destroyed... There were 16 teams. We destroyed everybody. It was the San Antonio Spurs. I was there Sunday night. You know what I saw? I saw a clinic. And the Spurs invited the heat to watch them. And they did, with their heads on a swivel. (laughs) And I think LeBron cramped up again about six minutes and 30 seconds to go. I'm teasing. He went and sat down. He didn't want to be on the floor when the final horn sounded because he didn't want to be a part of such an agonizing defeat again. Oh, I enjoy my spurs. I really do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's going to offend some of you, but we already talked about that last week. You've got to lay down your right to be offended. Someone asks you, hey, can you do this? And inwardly you're screaming, no, 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 no. I can never, never, never. I would never do that. I can't. I don't have time for it. I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And you scream inwardly, no. But outwardly you go, sure, I'd be happy to help you. When can we start? And you have this horrible sense of guilt because outwardly you're agreeable, but inwardly you're resenting it. You really are. You have an incredible hard time saying no because you want to please people. Why do we do this? The reason is because our egos hear me now, are incredibly insecure. And our egos are crying out, like me, like me, like me. Affirm me. Affirm me. Affirm me. Make me feel good about myself. But if we're not careful, we're going to miss one of the most powerful truths and biggest dangers about pleasing, people pleasing and that is this. Here it comes. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Proverbs 29 and 25 put it on the screen. David or, or Solomon said the fear of man will prove to be a snare or a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Everybody say the fear of man. Amen. Will prove to be a snare or a trap. And so we think what will they think? What is their opinion of me? The Hebrew word translated as snare here is the word mokish, M-O-K-E-S-H. And it means a trap. It means a snare. What it literally is, is a hook. I, I tried to find one today, but I was afraid I'd hurt my nose. But it's a hook that you put in an animal's nose and lead that animal around with. It's the snare. It's the mokish that people, and it looks so gross, me even doing this. But I think I'll reshape my nose doing this way think i can and so i know it looks gross but many people you know they've got this snare and they said how do you like my outfit do you like my hair i got bangs now didn't have bangs yesterday i got bangs now how do you like my car do you realize i got an iphone with unlimited data plan am i cool now am i cool how do you like me i just got a follower on twitter am i cool now do you like my song am i hanging out with the right friends hey 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 am i cool And you got this snare in your nose The fear of man proves to be a snare It's a trap But whoever trusts in the Lord Is kept safe You know what the problem is Pleasing people is idolatry It's a sin of idolatry Because it's putting the approval of people Ahead of the opinion Of God in your life How does God feel about you today? I'm going to tell you how God feels about you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you with a love that's unconditional. Would somebody clap for that God right now? Because that's how he loves us all. Idolatry is making people too big in our lives and God too small in our lives. It could be one of the greatest limiting factors of your life. If your goal as a parent, if if you're a parent and your big goal is, I want my kids to like me, they may like you today, but they'll not respect you tomorrow. Because your number one call is not to be their buddy, but to be the guiding force in their life. Can I get a witness? If you want to be a leader in your school and you're consumed with what friends think about you, you can't lead them because you're following them. If you want to be a leader in business You'll have to be To make incredibly difficult calls That other people will not understand And you cannot be consumed With what people think about you You have to do what is right And if you want to be a follower of Jesus You cannot be consumed With what people think about you You cannot simultaneously live For the approval of people And the approval of God So how do we overcome This disease to please How do we overcome it? How do we get beyond this thing called the disease to please? Now, somebody said, well, Pastor, are you trying to make us just... Well, I don't care what you think. No. But I'm just saying that so many times we are people that are following people that have not the best interest in our lives. Trying to make them our friends when they don't need to be our friends. They need to be converted to Jesus Christ. Can I preach a little bit right now? Can I just share the gospel with you right now? It's time to bring some of those egos to an altar and understand that we have a right to stand up and say, I am a child of Almighty God. So there's two thoughts, and I'm going I'm to call it a night. There's two thoughts I want to drive home to you. Two thoughts that will help us overcome this disease to please. Number one, we must focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. We must not live for the crowds, but for an audience of one, an audience of one. I'm reminded of a piano player that was going to play Carnegie Hall for the first time. And his teacher, his instructor for all of his life said, I'm going to be in the, I will be in the balcony tonight to hear you play son. And he said, you will charm the people. You will bless the people. They will come and hear something they've never heard before. But he said, I know what you really can do. And I will be in the balcony. And when you see me make a reference to you, when you see me make that reference to you, then I know that you are in the right frame of reference in the the recital, in the concert. And the young man didn't know what he was talking about. So the young man comes out. And he plays something in D minor. Some Beethoven thing. He plays some Mozart thing. And he's phenomenal. And the crowd cheers. It's a polite clap. It's like watching a golf on Sunday. It's a a polite clap. He looks up in the balcony and the old man just sitting there looking at him not moving. And all of a sudden the young man is overwhelmed that I cannot be satisfied with just an applause from people. I must Move the man in the balcony. Hallelujah. And he starts playing with everything that's in him and all of his heart. And he sweats and he breaks a sweat in his second cantata and he breaks his sweat. And he looks up and the crowd is on their feet giving him a standing ovation. And the old man is up there just looking down at him. Because he knows there's more in him than what he's playing right now. And finally, in the third song, he pours his soul. He pours his heart. He forgets that there's people in the audience. He forgets that there's anybody there. It's just him and that piano and his spirit. Yes. And when he gets through, the crowd is boisterous. And there thunderous applause. But that's not moving him now. It doesn't matter now. He looks up in the balcony. And the old man, old man gets up very slowly and throws a thumbs up at him. And the young man bows. And walks off the stage and saying I know now what it takes To please the man there Here's what I want to tell you folks I want to share something with you It's time for us to quit worrying About how much the world is applauding us It's time for us to quit worrying About how many people say Oh you're good at this and you're bad at this It's time for us to see the man in the balcony The heavenly father that's looking down on us Hey how does he feel about How we're living down here I'm not living for an audience I'm living for an audience of one. I want to please him, the author and the finisher of my faith. That's right. That's right. That's right. Galatians 1 and 10 said, obviously, Paul said, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. And if if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Leave it on the board. A.C. Green was a player with the Los Angeles Lakers. I know many of you know that when you're in the sporting world, when you're in the professional sporting world, that there's all kinds of temptations. I know you know that. I know you know that marriages are just almost a dime a dozen. You can sell them on the corner real cheap. And I know that men step out, and I know that there's groupies, and I know all that stuff happens. But A.C. Green was a a Christ child. He was a, a child of the Lord. And he played on a championship teams of the Los Angeles Lakers with the likes of Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul Jabbar and James Worthy. And he was a part of that team. And he was really probably the Kawhi Leonard of that team. He was that unknown part. He was that part that just did his part so well. But A. C. Green had this had this promise that he'd made to God. And that promise was he would keep himself pure. He would keep himself right before God. And there were so many women, so many nights that came and wanted to be with AC. And AC said, no, I've got a partner. I've got somebody. And I'm loyal to that somebody and after a while that women start asking who is your partner who is this partner and AC would say well you just don't you don't need to know right now but I do have a partner I have somebody that I'm very loyal to and after about 10 years of being hounded and hounded and hounded on the road and even his own teammates saying you're not a real man you don't even like women what kind of teammate are you AC stood up in front of the whole team and said my partner is Jesus Christ my partner is Jesus Christ And A.C. Green retired from the NBA, a clean, pure man. I'm telling you, if somebody can please God in the NBA and have a clean heart and a pure conscience and a pure spirit and a pure body, we can live for God in this world and say we're going to rest our laurels and our hope on one, not trying to please everybody. We're going to please him. Paul said, I'm not here to please everybody. You can't please all the people. You wear a certain outfit, and some of them say, Wow, that's a good outfit. Somebody else say, That's an ugly outfit. You can't please people. You listen to some music, and people say, Wow, I love that music. God, I can't stand that music. You go to parties, and some people say, Well, I love the party. Somebody say, I can't stand that party. I can't believe you're there. You go buy a car, and people say, Boy, that's a gorgeous car. Somebody else say, That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Amen. You go get your hair done. One group says, Wow, the cutest little pixiest look I've ever seen in my life. Somebody else will say, wow, that's ugly. Go get that redone. <laughs> even in your morals. You live in such a way that some groups say, wow, I love your morals. Somebody else will say, really? Really, that's what you are? I hate what that is. I despise what that is because you can't please everybody. Even Christian people, the way you worship. Some people say, wow, I love his enthusiasm in worship. I say, well, I wish he'd quieten down a little bit because you can't please everybody. So why are you even trying? Why don't you just raise your hands and please the one that loves you the most? Come on, just raise your hands and please the one that loves you the most. Come on, I got a partner, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he died for me. And I know I can't please everybody, but I can please God. So, obviously, Paul said, "I'm I, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser." If I was trying to please people, I couldn't be Christ's servant. And so we've got to understand, we've got to please God. The second thing that I want to talk to you about, and then I'll I'll shut it down. We're going to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. Everybody say, we're going to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. How many believe that God already loves you? Isn't that good stuff? God already loves us. We're going to live from the approval of God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God approves of you through Christ. He already approves of you. He loves you as you are. He loves you because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Wow. So we're going to live from that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 said, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Everybody say, I am approved. By God. Clap your hands on that. Say, I'm approved by God. He trusts you with the gospel. He trusts you. We were all sinners, but we've been saved by grace. And he trusts us. Jesus was sinless. He came to an earth to seek and to save that which was lost. He became sin for us. He died on the cross. He fulfilled the law. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. And anyone, anyone in this house who believes on him, you're no longer just a child of God you are the son of God and I believe with all my heart that God loves you right now does he love me in the state I'm in he loves you enough not to let you stay in that state but he's not going to condemn you there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit come on somebody clap your hands and say everybody else can condemn me but God is not going to condemn me I got to hurry. I got to hurry. We're not trying to please people. We're trying to please God. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. That's who we're trying to please is Almighty God. If you care what people think, you can't take that message out. If you truly follow Jesus, you will not be liked by all people. Put that in your head and understand that. Let me close here. My little girl Cass, who is over helping lead the worship tonight, her husband Brad is doing a youth camp this week, and she's over helping the kids next door. But Cass had problems in school. Don't go up to her and and say, "Your daddy said you had problems." (laughs) I don't want to embarrass her. She couldn't. She couldn't find any friends. She's the sweetest thing in the world. She couldn't find a friend. Nobody wanted to eat with her. They avoided her. He gave her a phobia, and uh, it lasted a while. And then when our girl started singing, Kate, Kate's a pretty good little singer. And Cass felt like she couldn't sing either. She couldn't be done using anything. And so she got this thing a hold of her that just kind of made her feel like she was just the mediocre child. Misty was the eldest and Kate was the youngest. And here was the middle child, Cass. And so me and her mom... Almost makes me cry, but we kept telling her how special she was. Amen. And when she'd come home, and she wrote a letter to herself one time. Said, "I, I'm not going to amount to anything." And we kept telling her how God loved her, and how much she felt she was a special kid. And we kept telling her she had she had what it takes, and how great God was going to use her one day, and what kind of family she would have, and what kind of home God would give her. And the word special just kept coming out of our head. You're special. So many times I can't count it. I can't tell you exactly when it happened. I can't. But one day it hit her. And she got a confidence. And she said, my dad and my mom uh-huh. think I'm special. Yes. And we had we had a couple here at our church there named Jonathan Alicia Moore. And, and they were... <laughs> They were great people to our kids and uh, I kind of snuck up to Jonathan one day and I said, I want you to use the word special Uh because she is special. You've seen her children, they're special kids. She and her husband are special people. She's special, but we like to never got it in her head and sometimes on Wednesday night, I feel that way right now that I've told you again and again and again how special you are. I'm not your heavenly father, but my daughter finally got it in her head one day because her daddy kept telling her, quit worrying about what those kids think about you at school. You are a child of God. No, you're not gonna go get crazy and and do all the parties that they're gonna do and they'd love to have you come party, honey, and they'd love to use you up, but you're not gonna do that kind of stuff. You're gonna live for God, but you're special. Now, right now, right now. All those kids that didn't want to be your friend, they all want to be your buddy now because the special kid has grown up. Special K has grown up and she's next door leading praise and worship and she's helping our young people and she's doing everything she can to let them know they are special. I'm here to tell you something. You've got a heavenly father that's shouting down at you and saying, you are special. You are special. You are special. Quit trying to find the approval in people and find it in your God. I'm special because my daddy and my mama told me I was special. So I'm going to do this fast now. I've got 10 things, and I'm going to let you go. 10 quick things. I can do them in 30 seconds, honestly. I've never done that in my life. I missed with the handkerchief. There we go. i got 10 things that God says about you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. Say, that's me. Ephesians 1 and 7 says, You're forgiven, and your sins are washed away. Romans 8 and 37 says, You're more than a conqueror. Ephesians 2 and 10 said, You are my masterpiece. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which I prepared in advance for you to do matthew five fourteen said you're the light of the world, woo romans eight and eleven says you're filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead within you Romans eight and seventeen says you're joint heir with Christ <laughs> second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty said you're christ ambassadors wasn't an ambassador it 's the highest ranking diplomat sent from one country to another. Hallelujah. When you walk out of here tonight You're not just some little old kid Some little old man Just trying to do a menial task Some lady that's trying to live for God In this old world You're an ambassador You're God's ambassador Anybody won't get happy about that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 21, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 1 and 7, you are greatly loved by God. That's 10 things. That's the 10 commandments of approval to you right now. Write them down. If you want them, I'll be here and we stay late and I'll miss my root beer float. God says, you're called, God says, you're equipped. God says you're an overcomer. God says you're loved. And when you realize this, you're not living for the approval of others, but you're living from the approval of God that changes everything in your life. So the Bible says in Romans 12 and 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't be, hey, 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 hey. I'm going to try to be like everybody else. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the reason... 12 and 2 is possible because 12 and 1 makes it possible. Romans 12 and 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. There's that altar. There's that altar. There's that altar. That feeling of inadequacy, that feeling of of control, that feeling of approval. Come on now. That feeling of being offended, you can lay it all down because you're something special in the sight of God. I'm done. Thank you you for listening. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.